I feel like I have to introduce myself again because I was away for two weeks. Last time I checked, I'm still the associate pastor at St. Philip's. I think my name's still on the bulletin, I hope. Today we are presented with this wonderful gospel that a lot of us have heard. Most of us are familiar with this gospel. And I would even dare to say that almost all of us are very familiar with the gospels that we hear at Mass. The reason for that is because we hear them at Mass. But that doesn't mean that we fully grasp what is contained in them or that we fully understand. And my intent this morning is not to understand everything in its totality because there is a lot, a lot, a lot to unpack and you would be very disappointed and I will be getting a lot of emails if I let you go out of here at 9.35. We are not doing that. We like happy parishioners, <laughs> happy people, happy collection. That's a joke. Now, before we try to understand the Beatitudes, before we try to comprehend, again, what's in front of us, the sacred text, we have to first understand the writer. Now, who wrote this gospel? Matthew. This is chapter 5, verses 1 to 12 of the gospel of Matthew. So Matthew is attributed as the author of this sacred text. Some scholars say that it was either Matthew or one of his followers that was writing in the style of Matthew. It could be. But let's say that it was Matthew. Who is Matthew? He was a tax collector, right? And he was called by Jesus. He pointed to him and said, follow me. Well, he was a tax collector for the Roman Empire. So he was collecting taxes from the people of Judea and giving it to the Roman Empire. He was not very liked by his own people. And when he makes the decision to be a tax collector, he has to leave everything behind, including his faith and the love of his peers, the love of his people. Tax collectors were not liked. They were hated because of how they made their profit. First, they're collecting taxes, not for the people, but for the Roman Empire. And then everything that they make is because they're stealing from the people. They're being fishy with their numbers. And the people knew that. So he was a rejected individual in society. And then comes Jesus. And he calls him. Not to continue practicing the Jewish faith as he knew it. But he introduces him to a new way of living. Jesus presents himself. He gives him the gospel. And Matthew decides to follow him. And to listen to him. If there is one characteristic that Matthew points out about Jesus is that he is a teacher. Because for Matthew, Jesus was not just a teacher, but he was the teacher of life. Why do I say that? Because at the very beginning of this chapter, Matthew tells us 
that Jesus goes up to the mountain. Keep in mind that any time a mountain is mentioned in sacred scriptures, God is going to manifest Himself. Mountains were the encounter between God and men, and Jesus goes up. Instead of coming down, He goes up. Two. He sits down to teach. That was the posture of a teacher. That was the position of a teacher, to sit down and teach. So Jesus is not just an ordinary guy, but a teacher, a rabuni, in the words of Matthew. Now that we have that context, we're going to go one by one of the beatitudes. So enjoy the ride. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, what does this mean? The poor in spirit. That means those who are in tune with the will of God. Those that have the ability to leave their desires behind and place God in the center. That's what it's meant. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Am I saying it right? Comforted. Comforted. What's the way of saying it? You know what I mean. Good. Now it's not that God wants us to suffer. It's not that He likes pain. It's not like it's like the more you suffer, the more that I love you. That that's not the God that we believe in. But there are different things in the world that we suffer about, that we mourn: war, famine, racism, political injustices. You name it. There are a lot of things that, as a people, as a society, we're constantly suffering about. Even your own family, your children, your parents, your in-laws. But if there's something we have to be mourning about, it's our own sin. Because when we mourn, when we suffer because of our sin, that should bring us closer to Jesus. But that's something that we rarely do. We tend to suffer over other people's sin, but ours. But Jesus desires that we first mourn over our sin, which is the greatest obstacle between us and Him. Third, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. We're not talking about physical land here. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven, and to have the humility. To be in tune with the needs of those around us, does God wants us to be a bunch of communists? No. But He does expect us to go out of our way, out of our comfort zone, to seek the needs of those around us, in order to possess the land. What land? The land of the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot more I could say about all the beatitudes, but I'm going to try to be brief. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. There are many things that all of us are thirsty and hungry for: power, recognition, status, possessions. Those things are not bad in themselves, but when those things replace God, then they become evil. But if there's something we should be really Starving for, hungry for is for justice, not only justice for me, 
but justice for everyone. To give everyone what they deserve according to God's mercy. Because a lot of us are very undeserving of what we have. But we become worthy through the grace of God. That's something we all as Christian people have to strive for. Justice. And yes, I'm probably speaking social justice, but just start with justice at home. Help your mother do the dishes. That's justice right there. Give up some of your video game times. That would be great. Please do. Five minutes of your phone that you leave behind and spend with your parents will make a difference. Teenagers are going to love this homily today because their parents are going to tell them, remember what father said. You're not being very righteous right now. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. What is mercy? Misericordia in Latin. To suffer with. To be able to experience one's suffering and make a difference in that suffering. To go down to the pit with the person that is suffering and try pulling them out, whatever that might be. That is mercy. God is mercy. That's one of his greatest attributes. Think of the many times you or I have experienced his mercy. Again, only when we're aware of his mercy, only when we recognize that he's merciful with us, that's what we give in return. That's something that we have to do every day. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Clean heart? Like no cholesterol? Is that what the gospel is telling us? To have a pure heart. Read Psalm 51 if you're having a hard time with a clean heart. At Mass, every Mass, the priest says, lift up your hearts. And what do we respond? We lift them up to the Lord. Well, why not just say, raise your soul, raise your mind? Why the heart? Because in the heart is where everything of who we are is encompassed. It's the core of who we are in Jewish theology and Christian theology as well. The heart holds everything of who we are. So at Mass, we say we lift up our hearts to the Lord. We're telling God, we're lifting up our entire being, all of who we are to you. We have to strive to give God everything of who we are, not just the good but also the ugly. If there's something I like to give God in prayer, it's my ugliness. And there's a lot of that. Like, Lord, I wasn't patient today. I lost my patience 34 times. I asked for forgiveness. I picture God just looking at me like, wasn't it 36 times? But fine, we'll go with 34. We have to give God everything, including our sin. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Last one. Not just be peaceful. Not just peace in the valley. As Kim says all the time when there's commotion going on. Peace in the valley. God wants us to be peacemakers. 
to make peace, to be an instrument of peace. There's even a beautiful song about that, make me an instrument of thy peace, right? What does it mean to make peace? Well, God is very peaceful. Yes, there are some passages in the Old Testament and in the book of Revelation that God is not being peaceful. He's got a right to that. He's God. But God is peaceful. If you don't believe me, think of the crucifixion and the resurrection. God, in the person of Jesus Christ, died in the most horrific way. And then he comes back to life the third day. We profess that in the creed. And he doesn't come back with a sword and say, okay, who killed me? Who did it? But he pours out his mercy, his peace upon his disciples. What's the first thing he tells his disciples after the resurrection? Shalom. Peace be with you. And we have to strive every day that we make peace at home. Not questioning everything that dad does or that your husband is doing. Working with him, mom, wives. That's making peace at home. And it's interesting that after God presents this through the Gospel of Matthew, then he says, Blessed are, they, blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Well, who rejoices when they're being persecuted? Ask the Christians in the Middle East if they're happy and rejoicing right now. Internally, perhaps. But it's hard to rejoice. It's hard to be glad in the midst of persecution. But God doesn't end it there. He says, for your reward is great in heaven. And this is the beginning of heaven. Our life on earth is the first step. I could have said all of this with what I'm about to say. This is the recipe of achieving peace and happiness. The beatitudes, the word beatitudo, means to be happy in the Greek. What God wants us to achieve is not just temporal happiness, but eternal happiness. And he gives us the recipe for it. It's hard to follow. It's hard to do. I'm with you. To follow all these things is difficult. But with God's help and with God's grace, it's very possible. Brothers and sisters, I invite you for the remainder of this week to go back to Matthew 5, 1 to 12. That you read this at home as a family. And that you truly ask yourselves, how am I being an example of what God is asking of me? And I guarantee you that even in the midst of suffering, pain, and agony, you will experience happiness. You will experience God himself.